Did you know our hearts connect deeply wherever you and I are in the world? Hi, I'm Andrea Petrut, Intuitive Life and Relationship Coach. Here at Healing Through Oneness Podcast, together we find what makes us unique and what keeps us united. We learn of past ones and ways to heal. We release old stories and create new, empowering realities that serve us now. Join me and my guests to recognize the truth within, discover why you are precious, connect with what sets you apart, and allow the world to welcome you and resonate with your heart. We are one. We are here with a new episode this time. My guest is the amazing TJ West. Welcome, TJ. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. TJ, you are the host of one of the podcasts uh, that I've been on uh, earlier this year, and yours is called My Blurred Opinion. Now, I did not see any face, anything when I looked on Podmatch. That's where we met. Um, I had no idea why you called it my blurred opinion until I read the description and a bit about your story. Can you tell us what's your story and why my blurred opinion? Um, well, uh, kind of what you were saying off mic earlier. Um, there's some really, you know, it's kind of some sad and darkness to the whole thing, but it's, it's how I twisted to make it funny and just have fun with it because you can't take yourself too serious because it, it does humble you and you you wake up with it every day and some days your eyes fluctuate uh it takes longer to fluctuate um than others and it, you know there's really depressing days out of it but you got to find ways to get up and laugh because uh you can't take yourself too serious and if you stay in that mode you know that's how people tend to either kill themselves or they um you know, they just don't have the lives that they they, they dreamed of. Uh, as far as how we got to this point, um, so I'm I I say either visually impaired or legally blind. And the only reason why I frame a little away from saying legally blind, not you, but a lot of people tend to hear the word blind because um, mm-hmm. there's also legally deaf and there's legally blind, and it means you're under a certain limit, like you qualify essentially. It's not really a good thing. You qualify sort of for a certain group of people to where you can get certain benefits when it comes to disability. Now you can get it for being blind or visually impaired and there's certain things, but legally blind just means you, you qualify more as a blind person than you would a person with sight or somewhere in the middle. And so when you say legally blind, people tend to hone on it like a kid would when if like a mom and dad were arguing and you know mom would say let's say uh, or not not arguing but when a mom would say two things would you like cake or cookies and since you said cookies last they go oh i want cookies and the last thing they hear of me is blind they don't hear the legally part they don't really they're not curious about the whole thing and then then they go uh well you don't look blind um because i don't have a dog because i don't have glasses and, and you know all the typical stereotypical things and it's, I guess, offensive, but I don't let anything really bother me too much anymore when it comes to that stuff because I'm just, I'm used to people kind of being ignorant towards it. But if someone's like curious and they want to ask me questions, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm down for a real conversation. Um, but yeah, so I had a, a 
a really bad ear infection when I was a kid. And I took amoxicillin for a couple of days. I was allergic to it. And I took vancomycin for a few days. And again, ear infection went away. And I, as I'm looking down, I'm trying to pull up a picture so people can see what I went through. Um, and the ear infection was actually pretty bad. But, uh, you know, I could have lost some hearing, but I didn't. Um, I hear, my ears got much better. But uh, where is it? Here we go. So let me know if you can see it. This is what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, can see. So that's me all bandaged up. Um, mm -hmm. All my skin burned off. My All my hair fell out. Teeth fell out. Um, but the eye stuff happened later. Go ahead. Let, let us get this because that's that's the thing that struck me. You were talking about burns. But actually, it was not burned by fire, is it? No. No. Yeah. Now you go to the same, you essentially go to the same destination. I went to a burn center where burn victims are, but it's because they treat you the same way with, with, you know, you have to get skin grafts and um, I had all what you're seeing in there is all bandaged up where uh, I have no skin, but they put bacitrace in all over your body for people who don't know that it's, it's, it's neosporin, but it's much stronger. And they, they press that against your, you know, raw body essentially. And then they wrap you up like a mummy, which I actually have another picture where I'm even more wrapped up. Uh, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's probably a better picture of just mm -hmm. how like the, the final product is. Um, and, so it's because yeah. of an infection, you say? So from an infection, this is how your body go, went through it? No. So so Stephen Johnson syndrome is the condition I had. It, it's from okay. a, high, a high allergic reaction to medication. So the medication was to cure the ear infection. And it did, but it did something else instead because i was taking it for such a long period of time and i was allergic to both of those medications that stephen john syndrome is caused from a high intake of medication so the ear infection was a separate thing it was just the beginning part and the medication cured the ear infection and then the medication caused sjs wow so how did you get from that horrible experience how long have you been in that experience with the bandages and everything with the burns? And how did you come to be how you are today? Because today, you know, we are looking at you. We're the ones who can see right now. And the listener will be able to watch uh, the video on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, you look pretty well. Uh, you know, like you, you are no longer with those burns on you. What happened? How did you make it through? So I look pretty well. I look okay enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm, screwed. I'm, mess, I'm messing with you. Well, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Well, um, forgive me. You know, uh, for those who cannot see you, um, you still have scars, right? I mean, uh, compared to that, it's a miracle. Like, it is a miracle. First of all, I acknowledge that it's a miracle you are alive today. It's a miracle we can look at your face. And we can see you, like we can literally see your face. We can hear you. We can he hear and see a vibrant person. And it's, it's amazing uh, to get from that stage where you show the pictures to, to hear. How did you make it through? What happened? What helped you? Um, well, I mean, I don't know how long that went on for. I was in the hospital for four and a half months, but I don't know how long the bandages. Over time, that did the, the, the ointment. Uh, the bacitration did work um, and I didn't have to have the bandage on, but there was periods of time where like I was a very determined kid and I would, I would try to push 
to go to the bathroom without ringing the bell. And I would walk on, you know, raw feet with no skin and try to go to the bathroom and, you know, try to sit, lay, everything hurt. It was excruciating pain. And um, one of the things that I, I find most amazing about myself, and I'm not one of these people that's very conceited, but as, as a child, I created this like alternate world, essentially. I had all my toys, I had my music and my stuffed animals and everything. And I, for the most part, blocked out the pain by just living in a happy world in a hospital bed. And I was very cheerful. And, and I remember having a, a neighbor uh, and, then, and you know a roommate, I guess, and they died, but we became really good friends. We were both really sick. I made it through mine. He didn't make it through his, but we laughed. We had a good time and, and we were both knocking on, you know, death's door. Um, I'll be honest. I lost some of that uh, over the years, and not just because of that, but just mental health stuff. Some and of stuff. some of what that that uh, the innocence that mindset. Yeah, the mm -hmm. innocence and the just you know. And again, I know that's also I was a child, but you know, I I don't know. I lost. There's a lot of stuff I've lost in my life, and 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 I'm still me, but there's still a part of me that I wish I could get back because that that part of me I I I wish I still had. Um, but I mean, yeah, so I spent four and a half months. I even had to be uh, retaught how to walk again because I was in a hospital bed for so long. So I kind of had like the the shaky baby deer legs. So I had to get on exercise bikes and the medicine balls and all that. Um, but so there was a lot of healing, just many eye surgeries when it comes to a mom taking cells from her eyes to mine or a dead person's eyes to mine. A lot of it just didn't take. A little bit would work here and there. Um, I wore a patch a lot of times on my bad eye. Um but even when I got out of the hospital, I had many feeding tubes were jammed in me. I had uh, my gallbladder was removed. I just had a lot of internal damage. Um, and, and, and then once once life really started hitting me and my eyes started to, uh, they were super sensitive to the light. I was just afraid of everything. I used to, I don't have a hat anywhere near me, but I used to wear a hat where it would be like so far over. Now, this is my good eye. This is my bad eye. Um, but I would wear For it. People so who cannot see you. Uh, uh, so you're showing that the the good eye is the right eye. Right. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I would wear my hat over my left eye to protect, because my my left eye was more sensitive, even though it it only can see colors, emotions. It was more sensitive than the right. But when you pull your hat so far over, now you're blocking the vision of your good eye. So I'd walk in the poles and all that. And that's kind of what also led up to a lot of the bullying in school. People spitting on me, throwing stuff at me, and stuff like that. So there's a um, you know, it was a long healing process for, for months and months, even years. And then, um, my eyes kind of just settled and, you know, over time they are what they are now, but, um, yeah, but as far as like how I got out, it was just, it was just a lot of healing and recovering. And then once I got out of the hospital, it was just like trying to start a new life as this. And, and it, you know, there was a lot of, you know, really sad nights. I mean, there was times where, you know, I'm, I'm open to everything now, but I didn't, I never used to want to talk, but I used to pee myself all the time because I was afraid to get out of bed. I, I um, also, cause I was bullied a lot in school or even by a certain teacher, she wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. She made me sit in it. So that was like a part of it. And wow. so I, I went through, I went through a lot of uh, what you would call extremes um, yeah. where it's like, or, or what I would say the worst case scenarios um, you know, I was also molested in school. Like there's just a lot of bad things that happened to me. Like I was just a kid that was already on edge from, from trauma. And I think if it was just the eye stuff, I really think I would have been okay. But because so many adults, cause you, you know, your mom, and I, I hate saying this cause it sounds like I'm blaming her, 
but my mom was always like, listen to the adults that, you know, what they say goes, but you really find uh, that to be horseshit. And I don't know if I'm not supposed to curse, but sorry, but you know, it, it's, you, you find it to be real crap because everybody who ever screwed me over for the most part, I mean, there was kids that threw stuff at me or whatever, but you know, they were taught by their parents um, what to do and not to do. And, and um, yeah. And so I went through a lot of abuse that really took me down to some really dark places that led when I was an adult. Cause a lot of it just, I started to realize what all that stuff meant and what it all was. And, and then you realize what loneliness was and depression and, um, and you start to be shameful of, of your disability and all these things. And, um, but yeah, as far as to what your question was, like, it just, it was just a lot of healing and, um, you know, I got lucky. There's a lot of people that didn't make it through my condition. They died. And, and I almost did too. I, I, you know, I actually went for a couple seconds and came back and, you know, they even told my mom to prepare, uh, basically a funeral. Uh, but I somehow pushed through, uh, somehow, but, um, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> We can we can take a deep breath in now, because that's a lot. I've I've never heard anybody sharing so much trauma. I mean, like you you are sharing, but living through so much trauma. Um, what the how many years has been since the moment you had the uh, that the syndrome started, and then until now, how many years you've been through this, and what helped you? be who you are today, this person who can speak about your experience, this, this person who has some sense of humor, although I know you have your own challenges still. Uh, well, I was four, so I'm 33, so it was 29 years ago that the SJS happened. Um, but yeah, it's kind of hard to, let me see, how do I say it? Because honestly, the la like the podcast came a year and a half ago, and a couple of years, it's probably in the last seven to eight years where I really started to find my voice because I started uh, to work for a place that also hired other people with visual impairment and blindness. And I realized I was already really a mess as a person. I was kind of just a plane headed for, you know, a disaster. Uh, I was already super sad. I, I was really just traumatically just damaged inside and um, feeling super neglected. Uh, I've said this multiple times to other people that at least a good five years, I was only alive because I didn't want to hurt my grandmother, my mother. That was it. Like if I really had a real, and I was also a soft person. Like I, I didn't have it in me to do it, even though I did it, there was an attempt to try to shoot myself, but the gun had a lock on it. So there was one way I wanted out, but I, I was at such a bad place for so long that like, I literally was just living for them. I wasn't living for me anymore. I was just on autopilot. Although you you didn't have the strength to stay alive on your own, but there were circumstances and people a lot around you that kept you alive just because of their existence. Can we say that uh, there's something to be grateful for, like for, their, for them? Because that's why you are alive today helping other people and this is i'm taking the positive no 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 you you know you're you're doing the right thing no i'm i'm, I'm not i swear i'm not trying to make your show a sad you're just asking me <laughs> no 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 i'm in a better place now but yes that that yes that that was a great thing and i because i tell people i i mean i'm a mental health advocate so i tell people whatever it is that you need to hold on to is a great thing even i always say like even if it's like season you know stranger things is next season is coming out like if you have to hold on to, you know, in a month when that comes out, at least that's a month that buys you time. 
And then maybe another season will come out in a year or maybe you'll find another show or you'll find an album or something that hits you, uh, something that you meant you were meant to see or hear. And that brings like it gives you more hope to last a little longer. And maybe as that time passed, maybe you start to get stronger and your, you know, your skin gets thicker and you start to just kind of accept yourself a little more. Even if you don't completely entirely love and accept yourself, you start to find something to live for. So, no, absolutely. That I'm just I'm just telling you how it came in my life at that time. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's great. Uh, I uh, I know you and I talked before this episode that. Uh, and like you mentioned a bit today, you know, we're speaking the truth about our parents because it was our reality in the moment, but we love our parents. And I know... The reason why you and I related a lot was because of how you were for your child and how I saw what she did for me. Um, but, she, you know, I genuinely got to know you and I got a lot of love and, and, you know, affection for you anyway, but just what you sacrificed. Uh, yeah, you're a mom, but you don't have to. There's plenty of bad moms in the world. But you did. You made all the sacrifices you needed to do, uh, above and beyond, just to make sure your child gets what it needs to get to to live and have a, a resemblance of a decent life. So uh, that was kind of the parallel in our, our our connection that we initially started on. Yeah, and um, see when when our children, we as children, go through trauma. And our parents, for whatever reason, we're not judging here, we're just saying for whatever reason, they cannot be the support we really need because they're doing their best and that's, that's, that's the best they can do. But for us, it may not be enough. And uh, we are the ones who need, uh, who hopefully we're gonna make it and we, we go through uh, the experiences somehow uh, finding that what I call a pillar in us, some some support within us until somebody else from the outside comes and helps us. Did you have anybody helping you? Like, did you find after all these bullies and the trauma and everything, was there anybody else beside you and your mother who has helped you somehow, who has been there for you? Even if like an audiobook or something, was there something that helped you outside you? <sighs> Now you mean during that time, like the really bad times? Yeah, during the bad times, and if not after, like what what was a moment where somebody really meant something for you? Well, this was something I kind of discovered very recently, and so and I've talked about this. I'm very open about it. But when I was in my worst of days, just just the mental health stuff. This was many years later, but the mental health stuff. I was in such a bad place, um, and I wanted to like if I saw a woman that was attractive that I never thought she would ever want anything to do with me because I'm ugly and I, you know, I busted eyes and all these things that went through, I would go, I want to rape her. Now I would never do that, but it was the thought that was there. Uh, and everyone who goes through mental health to its really darkest places, they go there, but besides suicide, you know, this is how school shooters happen. This is how a lot of just tragedies end up happening is because someone goes through so much that they're just ready to explode. Uh, maybe I wanted, I saw an old lady and I wanted to hit her. Uh, and the reason why I went to this place is because the one thing I did not want to hurt was animals. And, you know, I had a pet cat at the time and I have one now, but she, I would say the cat I have now is way more loving and affectionate, but this cat I had at the time, Diva, I don't think I'll ever love anything. Like I loved her. Um, could she have been a better cat? Yeah, I guess. But she got me through some of the worst of times. I could cry into her fur and she was just there when I was just at my worst um, and seemed like she knew it. And um, so I had that. I had video games. I had, um, I, but people, no, honestly, I've, I've, 
I still have a very distrust for people because, you know, when I get to know you or I pick up on your vibes, you know, like I, I immediately knew when I met you, like you were just a good person beyond just the story, but like, you just, you just like have a really good attitude and just like a really chill way of communicating. And um, I'm not just saying that cause you're all, you know, I'd tell you this off here. <laughs> I know. I know. But, um, <laughs> But, I know. Uh, you're, you're you're always like this yeah right but it, it you know but no I didn't I didn't have any friends for a long time when I finally had some friends it's you know even after high school they all they all kind of disappeared so I, like I think the worst times like physically the worst times were like when I got sick from like I would say like from four to like I don't know eight or nine and then a lot of time passed where it's just kind of life was just what it was it was just nothing was bad. Nothing was great. I mean, again, of course I still had the eye problems and stuff. And then high school happened. There was some anxiety that I started to realize what mental health was, but I think once college hit, which I did for a year. Um, and once I just really started to kind of like figure out my body and just, just learn who I was as a person, the real world hit me and, and mental health just took me down just a horrible path of destruction. And, and, um, you know, but even during that time, I, I didn't have anything like it. I really, really didn't. And the only reason why I started to take medication and accept therapy is because the thoughts that I previously said, among others, were so bad that I knew that I was so anti what I was, like everything that I stood for. Um, I was like thinking um, that I, I wanted to hurt people. I wanted to do these horrible things. And it's like, man, this is like, this is horrifying. Like I was, I was petrified of myself and I needed to do something because I was spinning out of control. But no, honestly, I did just, and I'm not, it's not to give myself any credit or anything. I, I did all this on my own just about, um, the, the stuff with the, the, the health stuff. That was my mom was, and my grandma to some degree as well. That was that. But, you know, the older I got, no, a lot of it was just me. But again, some of it was me taking it. I only wanted to be alone because I, I'll tell this to any person, and I've, I've shouted this out so many times. You could be in a sporting event with, you know, 20, 30, 50,000 people, and you could still feel alone. And yeah. If you feel, if you feel I like, agree. You know, yeah, you feel like no one understands you. You feel like the world doesn't understand, like, won't accept you, and you're invisible, and all these things. Um, yeah. Like, you just, yeah, I always called myself a lonely loner. Not that I wanted to be alone, but I just felt like that's the only where I, I fit in was being by myself because I was never the person that anyone ever really gave any attention or love to. Um, yeah, and there's only so much your mom can do for you because at some point you grow into a man or a young adult and you start to just be like, yeah, how can I impress girls if my mom was always holding my hand? Um, yeah, so. <clears throat> yeah. Um, while I was listening to you, I was thinking that you speak about yourself as a, the most, you know, a lonely loner. Um, but you're actually, it's a, what people don't know, and I will share this. You actually sent me audio messages uh, since we met uh, for the pod, for your podcast. And you're asking me how I feel. Uh, and then some time goes by and again, uh, so you care, you care about others because you know how it's like, and you, uh, you have such a, just such a big heart and your podcast brings a lot of people, I wouldn't say like you because, uh, 
people who come there are different than you, but like you in the sense of, you know, heart centered and people who have had a hard life or have some challenges in their life and they are unique. They are not your usual people that you would hear on podcast or see on TV or read about in books. You bring awareness through your podcast about people, situations, challenges, disabilities, or, or anything. Can you tell us more about how did you, uh, you know, you're talking about people that you don't trust them, right? But having a podcast as a host, I know it means connecting, it means talking, communicating, it means having trust, trusting that the person is going to come to your, your meeting, trusting that the person is going to say something meaningful, will have, you know, like, there's a lot of trust in there. So for me, I see it as a huge step for you towards your healing, towards your growth, towards um, empowerment. Why did you do this podcast and when did you start doing it? And what does it mean to you? What's, what's your mission with it? And uh, if it helped you, helped you in which way? Like, what does it mean to you? Uh, it was like eight questions, but I'll try to answer them all. Oh, it's okay. Let's take one by no, one. No, no, Why, um, this Why this podcast? Well, I'll say, well, one of them you said, when did I start? That was about a year and a half ago. Um, and to get to kind of all of it, it was, I, again, not to constantly scream about mental health, but my mental health told me even up to a year and a half ago, even till now, what's the point? You know, no one will listen to you. You know, you're, you suck. Like it's, it's, you're useless and, and no one's going to care. And, you know, when I first started, 10 people listen, I don't know how many hundreds of people, a few hundred people listen now. And it's, it's nothing crazy, but it's, it's way more impressive and way better than it was. Um, and I just, my original goal was just to get myself out there just to, um, tell my story and hopefully somebody will care and maybe, maybe something will come of it. Maybe I can get out of the rut I'm in and, you know, maybe change jobs and it just, who knows, you never know what can happen. Um, and then I, my next part of it was I wanted to talk about my mental health. I wanted to talk about my condition, everything, and you know, all that. Uh, I had about 10 to 12 ideas. I, my, my one friend, Lori, she died of heart failure, but she, she survived cancer. She's just, she died when she was about 22. And I promised her that I would try to live the best life I could for her and I, um, cause she never got to. Uh, so I carried that burden as well. And I wanted to tell her story, which was an emotional one for me. And, um, and then I kind of interviewed a couple of my friends and they had visually impaired or blind and they, they're, they're awesome. Uh, but, when I started to do research on the disability community and started to figure out like what other shows or blogs or YouTube channels or whatever type of similar entertainment was doing, they were doing kind of what I was doing, but I didn't know I was doing. It was sticking to what I know, which was my condition or my body part, I should say, which is in my case eyes. And I didn't like that because I felt like, you know, when I found out there's 1.6 or 1.8 billion of us, and we, we're like the last community that gets really any help or any understanding or any care for. Um, we're still treated, you know, we're better than we were treated. We're not put in camps and we're not killed, and, you know, well, at least in this country. Um, but, and then I saw that documentary, Crip Camp, that kind of changed my outlook on just all these people, how what they sacrificed and fought for us. And I really just looked at the the, the outlet of what, the disability community is as a whole at that point in time. And I said, like, it's, it's kind of sad because we don't support each other and we don't look out for each other. And we don't really try to learn from each other. Yes, we have a lot of similarities, but we also have a lot of differences and that's okay too. 
but we should come together certain parts of the year to really, you know, stick up for each other and, and show the world what we're made of because the strongest people I've ever met in this world are people with disabilities. And I'll bet everything I own on that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I really wanted to just share any condition I could possibly find or that I even knew. I found so many I didn't even hear of before I did this. And, you know, my, my, my initial dip in the toe in the water was my, my cousin, uh, Nano has a, a cousin, or a cousin, he has a son with autism. Um, so I interviewed um, my cousin, his father, and uh, it went really well. And that was like, okay, that's autism, you know, almost like check, even though I've done other stuff on autism as well, but it was like, I wanted to at least do one. And then, you know, all of a sudden now I'm me and a deaf girl or talking on the phone, which is incredible because you would think a blind guy and a deaf guy talking to each other sounds ridiculous. But the fact there's so many programs that just, there's like a third party that just can um, filter it out and tell her what I'm saying. And it just was great. And, and, and then, um, you know, I'm, I'm covering things like, you know, like dwarfism and, you know, obviously cancer and, and whatever, spina bifida and all these crazy chronic illnesses and all that. And then in the last probably seven, six, seven months or the second, what we call second season, I guess, even though it's just another year, um, is kind of how I got to you is I really wanted to not strictly focus on it, but I wanted to go after like tackling the disability community or what we go through from a different angle, from the perspective of a per the, the people that are most affected by us and the people that, um, do so much and sacrifice so much for us. So obviously mothers, caregivers, teachers, um, people that just impacted us. Like you asked me if there was anybody important through my journey, there was a couple, but it just, you were talking about the very beginning. So there was none. Um, but I had a teacher who well, had her on the podcast, but she sacrificed, like she, she did so much for me. She got me into a good high school when I didn't have the grades. Uh, she, 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 you know, she just looked out for me. She got me all the things that I needed to see better for, you know, whether it's reading notes or, or whatever, taking tests, she got me extra time for this and that. And, um, you know, I owe her a, a good chunk of my success in high school uh, because of her, uh, her and another woman, but especially because of her, because if it wasn't for her, I'd have never got into that school. Um, so yeah, the podcast, I, I just, I just wanted to spread awareness on what people with disabilities go, but through that, you know, we started talking about domestic violence and addiction and homelessness, things that are very similar and kind of intersect with each other because a lot of people with disabilities have drug issues or, or do drugs, have done drugs at some point in time. Not me. I'm a very clean person, but that's just because I was a very soft kid and I was afraid of everything. But I, I lived in a city where it was polluted. It was everywhere. I know plenty of people that have done it. Um, I've never been homeless, but homeless people are just like the disability community. They're very discriminated against. People think they're all dirty. They're all lazy. Um, and they're not worth a damn. But the reality of it is that we shouldn't have homeless people in any country. I know you live in a different country than me, but your country is not far off from the same as mine. And there's no reason why we should have homeless people, especially not to the degree that we do. Uh, you know, domestic violence, all these things, it's all, they're all together. And they're, to me, they're just the issues of people who go through struggles. And, um, I never wanted to have, I'll, I'll cut this off, but I never wanted to have people come on and go, oh, I have a disability, or life sucks. Because that's not going to inspire anybody. If anything, that's going to drag someone who's already feeling lonely, uh, you know, the younger TJ. Like I look at it from that perspective, someone who's just alone, feels like they have nobody, there's no one like them in the world, and no one's going to care. And, you know, I don't know everybody out there. I don't know what everyone's going through. And I'm not going to pretend like I... I do, but I, 
want to try to find somebody that will help them. Um, I have a cousin who has MS and I just interviewed somebody with MS, multiple sclerosis. And I said, look, I can only help you from my point of view as a person with a disability, but she actually has your condition. Listen to her. She'll get you out of your, you know, shameful, you know, my life is over, you know, feelings towards life. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just trying to, I don't know, I'm just trying to like show how much people, like how awesome people can be when so much is thrown at them and they're still standing and how much they overcome. And, you know, like just the inner strength to me is like the most beautiful thing, not to be like super cheesy, but inner strength is something like I, I you know, I, sometimes I, I can come out of my own body and I can just go, damn, like, how are you like still standing? Like, I don't get it. And I don't even, like I said, I don't even, I don't know. I really, I really don't know. I should be dead for many reasons. I should be dead, but I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not honing on it. I'm proud that I'm still here, but I really don't know how I'm still here because some of it's just like an inner thing that just keeps me moving. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I answered all eight of your questions, but I answered some of them. Well, I will ask what you didn't answer, but before, before knowing more, I acknowledge and I notice that you're interviewing people like you. You're interviewing warriors. You are interviewing challengers. You are interviewing not just survivors, but people who found their way to make it through no matter what. And you are interviewing people who have a diagnosis or a label, whether we call them homeless or people with disabilities or spina bifida, whatever. These are labels. This is not who they are. And you started talking about labels and then you ended with people, which I love about you is you see the person, the human, not the diagnosis, not what there's on paper that they have or, you know, that some people call them. Um, and, and, and it is amazing. So now, because you hear those stories, you heard me and, and many others who gone through uh, horrible stuff uh, or horrible pain or things like that. Uh, how do their stories or our stories help you? Because there, you, I know as a host, no matter the reason why we start a podcast, it's always helping us. This is my childhood. Surely, it has a an impact on you. I I know, like I like I am now impacted by your story, and I and I need to breathe a little uh, because it's it's been Sorry hard. But I, it's okay. I mean, like the listeners are, are are gonna feel the same, and and it's okay. Like life is tough, and for some is. Is, it is what it is, but there is a good impact in hearing those stories and having conversations with with the, with your guests. What's that impact for you? How did it help you? Right. Before I get to that, I just wanted to say one thing to comment on what you said as far as, you know, how I look at people. I, look, I have my moments. Like, there are certain people in my family that are racist. I don't, I don't tolerate it. I hate that. But every so often, sometimes evilness will kind of get deep seated into your thoughts, even if you're not manifesting it yourself. It's, it's almost like you have Tourette's, but you don't say it. And I've had people with Tourette's on and I, I find them very fascinating. And they're, they're very, uh, they're, they're very um, interesting people. And, and I heard know. that I heard, I, I listened to uh, that, that show and I was, okay, yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, so like, uh, you know, I may have a thought where I'll see somebody who's a different color or something, but I'm doing something just stupid, just for a person. And then maybe I'll get that thought like, Oh God, or maybe I'll say the wrong word 
for a person or something. And then I just put the differences between me and the average person or the, the person, the people that are, that will not, they don't have a filter and they don't have a way to really recognizing um, struggles and, and have an empathy. I can check myself and go, really, TJ, like, you're going to feel this way? Like, how many of your friends are black? How many of your friends are, you know, gay? Or how many of your friends have no arms or whatever the hell it is? And I could check myself and realize, like, it's just was a stupid thought, like, evilness is in all of us. And sometimes we just have stupid thoughts. And, you know, we live in this cancel culture world where you can't have any thoughts that even no matter where it comes from. Um, and it's, it comes you, know, you, you get abused your whole life. And I don't even just me like you go through a lot of abuse. Sometimes you want to take it out on someone else. Fair or unfair. That's really what happens. And sometimes if, if you're around enough people or it's in your DNA, you may have feelings, but you're able to check it because you have real experience and you have love and, you know, you have different feelings and you break the chain of all those people that, you know, instill these uh, feelings in you. Um, but anyway, so to, to what you asked, um, yeah, it, it's it's better than anything therapy's ever done for me. Now, therapy helped for a good while. It helped me to like kind of be a little more open, but um, there's a guy who I had on, I, I could use many examples, but I use this guy specifically because he had a moment of clarity through another person with a disability. His name's Phil. He's from the UK. Um, he's paralyzed from the shoulders down. Um, he has his own family. He owns his own business. He's he's an entrepreneur. He does so many great things. He runs a, a great Facebook organization. I haven't heard from him in a little while, so I really hope he's all right. Um, but he was 19. He got just got out of the army. He was kind of, uh, he was very rebellious. He was kind of just trying to like, you know, push the limits to what a 19 year old could do. He's driving a motorcycle. He ends up going off of a cliff and, and landing onto train tracks and he paralyzed himself from the shoulders down. He's laying in bed and he's hating himself and he's realizing he just ruined his life. And he ends up stumbling into this therapy room um, and he bumps into a guy who's paralyzed from the jaw down and the guy is cracking jokes and the guy is like lighting up like, hey, you can use your arms. I can't. Like, what's wrong with you? And they end up becoming great friends and it just changed his life forever. Um, that doesn't mean he doesn't have depression. It doesn't mean he still doesn't feel sorry for himself or he doesn't have anger towards what he did. But he now has a functional life to where most people with with uh, no function to the lower half or even the middle half of their body, just their their shoulders on down or arms on down, they would want to give up. And he kept going. And so I, I use him as an example to say every person that I've interviewed, it makes me grateful for the fact that I have feet that I or have access, you know, my a function in my feet. I, you know, I have my back works and I can think uh, even though I have brain fog that I'm trying to work on. Um, but I'm not totally blind. Same thing. I, I have a really good friend who's blind. We work together and it, it's as if you wouldn't even think we were, we had vision problems because it was like endless because we use our ears and how to not bump into each other. And like, it does something for me. I just interviewed a guy, probably one of the more successful guests that I've had as far as in the, he's a former NFL player and he has a learning disability and he just, you know, before he did the interview, it was like, you know, I read in his bio that he had a, a teacher that said he'll never be able to graduate college and he'll never be able to do any speakings because, you know, he's dumb. And he was like, well, before we do this interview, I got to go for 20 minutes. I got to um, I got to go uh, perform and, and give a speech. And it's like just the little things. It's like the dude just he does everything that he's told he's not going to do. And that like encompasses everything that people with disabilities or people that are struggling are. 
And uh, yeah, so it, it's very, I know it's long winded, but it's very therapeutic for me because I'm around these people that, yeah, I, you could make a case of whose story's worse and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm not trying to look at their story to go like, ah, at least, I, at least I don't have this. I just look at it like, just be grateful for the things you do have. You know, like I have a little money in my account and you know, I'm not poor. There's plenty of people struggling financially and I, I, I feel terrible for them. I can't save everybody. But, um, you know, it, it's just there's just so many things I'm very grateful for that I was not grateful for. And I took stuff for granted, like with my back. You know, I do a lot of heavy lifting at work. Now I start to bend my knees a little more to lift because before I was just very willy nilly with my back. And I would just lift heavy stuff at really awkward positions um, because I have friends who now have spina bifida who are in wheelchairs or, you know, amputees and all that. And I just. Yeah, if you, if you don't learn from these people, then you're not. You're not doing the right. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you're not. You're not listening, and you're not. You just. I guess you just don't have like real empathy. I love all the stories you shared. You gave us a lot of of advice, and I know when you said that you're grateful for what you have, that you are not comparing, in terms of ooh, thank God I don't have that or whatever. Um, and it's in those things and that gratitude that is, I would say it's the source of motivation, um, the source of blessings, if we believe in blessings. And, um, and it's what can drive us through. Because when we start recognizing what we have, we get out of our own way. We get out of our own minds and we get unstuck of that whining and whatever we're doing there about our lives when we realize that we're actually having a lot <laughs> you know and what i also learned from you what i personally learned from you is to appreciate what i cannot understand you are the one who taught me what uh, blind and legally blind people would need, for instance, for my podcast. So I've been more aware. You have raised, you have helped me raise my awareness uh, because I know you. I, I'm, I'm mindful and I love that I can be mindful. And the way I speak to you is in a way that I feel it's okay. Um, and I'm mindful with other people too. I have people with, I have only a few friends with, uh, with disabilities, but I was never aware to the level I am today, thanks to you. So oh, I, I wanna, I, wanna, I really wanna thank you for inviting me to your podcast and for sharing uh, in private your story and, and other thoughts because, and in a way you woke me up because when you're like me, a person who can see, hear, sense, feel, smell, like have, I have it all. In, in terms of physicality, let's say, um, there are things I take for granted. I took for granted, you know, uh, what I have by my eyesight, my hearing and, and all of that. But the more I live with people, the more I encounter people who are different than me and who don't have what I have, I'm not taking things for granted as I used to. So it's been a great life lesson for me. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you said something earlier about me like checking on you. It's like, that's just, it goes back to, you know, when I've been in my worst places, we all just want someone to just text us. It doesn't even matter who. It could be somebody you don't even like. If somebody just says, hey, how are you doing? Um, and because I know you, you know, you, you got a lot of 
uh, things to take care of and everybody's lives gets harder at some point. And um, you're not the only person I do that for. And I'm not saying that to make myself sound better, but everybody I've had on the show, I'd say about 80% of them, I try to check on them. It's not easy. Um, and, you know, every so often someone's just like, man, I'm not doing well. And uh, thank you. And it means a lot because I still don't really necessarily have that all the time. Um, because, I mean, it's just the way time, you know, kind of adds up and it just, you know, when you're not, when you're feeling bad, that just everyone else is busy. It just, it's just how it works out. But when you go with like life experience, it, it just, it just feels like, oh, deja vu again. But um, no, I, I, you know, it's just, I'm glad you got to learn something from me. And you know, it's, like I said, I try to be as positive as I can because I'm not always positive as times I'm down. Um, I know you want, you, you said you wanted to mention something about that video I did. I don't know if you still want to or not. I don't... Oh, you did. And the video we're talking about is the one where you were on Instagram and uh, you put a message like he's not blind or something like that. And then you put your um, sunglasses on and then uh, the message was, yeah, he is blind. And it's about st stereotypes. And you mentioned in the beginning about stereotypes. And I think I love that video because, you know, it was funny, but it has so much wisdom. It's like a wake up call. Like we have stereotypes and we, we should wake up out. We should get out of that because it's, it's not the reality. It's we're making people and I'm not talking just about blind people. In general, we are making somebody else fit into our labels just so that we consider this is they, they have something. This is this there's something about them, you know, like even calling somebody autistic. We need to call somebody autistic to acknowledge that they need help. You know, like just this is one perspective. I've seen that it's been happening with my with children. I've seen it in Romania. I see it. I see it everywhere. Like we need to put a label and we need them to fit into some things. Otherwise, they will not receive the money. They will not receive support. Uh, and and it's it's sad because you've mentioned in the beginning there are people uh, or maybe you didn't mention it this way, but I experienced I witnessed where there are people who would really need financial support uh, from the government, but they will not receive it because they are not in the details. They do not conform with all the details in the file and in the legal act or whatever that is. So it's, it's put some people aside just because they don't fit. Like, are you kidding me? You got to fit a disability you know, description, you got to fit into something. Otherwise, you like, this is so awkward. You know, it's the world is turned upside down. Yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing that's missing in the world today, or one of the biggest things is, there's many things, empathy and, and so on, but is that people just don't know how to put themselves in other people's shoes and don't even want to try. Like you, you're a person that may not know everything and you may not, um, you may not, you know, you may have some ignorance to what, certain thing people go through because you just don't have the experience and that's okay but you you have a good heart and you, you want to know and maybe you don't have the time to know all this stuff you don't know how to bring everyone into your world and how to accommodate them but you genuinely you're coming to the table with with kindness and an open mind and that's not what most people do because most people go well i'm not black or you know i don't have a disability i'm not this and sometimes they're so afraid of even just learning a little about that culture or about whatever it is and because it takes a little time 
And so, especially with like one of the big things I'm passionate about is is 75% of people with disabilities are unemployed. And it's like 75% of any community unemployed in, in here in America would be outrageous. But because we are these like broken people and we're only good for washing dishes or grocery bagging and all these things, we're, we're held to these standards because people look at us just for the visually impaired part of it. They look at us through you know, purified, really good eyesight, you know, what we call sighted people. And they, they look at what we can't do. Like I knew we had a boss who tried to do a, a very tough physical job and they put on a blindfold and they tried to do it and they couldn't do it. So they said, well, blind people can't do this job. And it's because, but you have the realization of being able to take that blindfold off and go, ah, that guy who's totally blind cannot do that. Now I can see some, but still, that's still offensive to me. And you, you, you're telling me, you're giving me limitations based on how you feel about it, how you perceive and how weak you are mentally because you don't know how to do it or you don't think you can do it. Whereas I know, I know what my limitations, I can't drive, I can't fly a plane, but I'm sure as hell going to try everything else. And so like with someone like you, I think sometimes you worry too much. I think I told you that the one time you worry a little too much about trying to be so accommodating for other people with disabilities. And at the end of the day, all you have to do is just have an open mind and just care a little. And and that's all that really matters where the average person or what it, what it seems to be is most people just are very self-absorbed by themselves. And it's like, you have to be on a side, you have to be mask or anti-mask. You have to be black or white. You have to be pepper, Pepsi or Coke. Like you can't be, you know, Democrat or Republican and all this nonsense. You can't just have a little bit of both or, you know, you can't have different feelings. You can't have a different um, opinion, a different mindset on certain things. You have to fall in line like everyone else does. And, um, you know, I was telling a lady, our HR lady, I'm like, look, you're setting rules for people, like people with disabilities. You're setting rules for people, a politically correct rules for us. And we don't live a politically correct world. People are allowed to say things about us and they're allowed to speak this like innuendo, subliminal stuff that we can't prove but you can do whatever you want, but we don't live that lifestyle. The lifestyle, the world is not, um, it's not a politically correct world for us. We go out and we're discriminated against every day. And so you can't set rules to make our lives already hard because it's already hard enough. Um, so it, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm, go, I'm ranting, but You yeah. can't set rules to make our, our lives hard because it's already hard, this is what you said? Yeah, our lives are already hard. So the more the more restraints that you put on, because one of the things that we have trouble with as did people with disabilities is accepting our successes. Like for me, I have my own place. I work. So I broke the mold. I, I broke the statistic. But it's hard for me to say to a person who's able-bodied or sighted or whatever term you want to use to say, hey, I work. Hey, I have a job uh, or I, I have my own place. Hey, I can dress myself. Hey, I can do these things. It's like, yeah, well, good for you. So does my daughter. So does my uncle. So does everyone else in my family. It's like, yeah, but you didn't have the barriers. You didn't have to do all this and have a vision problem or and have a whatever problem. And, you know, you didn't have to deal with discrimination. You didn't have to deal with people telling you you can't do things and they don't know anything about you or what you can and can't do. Um and so, but yeah, we have a, we have a real trouble with that. And I've had this conversation with many people with disabilities of just accepting our successes because our successes sometimes are normal things for the average person. Before 
we end this conversation, what is a message you have for our friend, the listener, and for those watching this? Um, let's see. Some of it is a lot of just what I've said over this episode is just, you know, staying strong. People will tell you you're going to get a lot of, again, I don't know what your problem is out there. Maybe it's just like mine. Maybe it's a, it's not even a disability. Maybe it's just mental health, or which I also think is a disability, but maybe it's you're struggling financially, you're struggling with it, but find, find something to keep you going because it, it it's really hard, man. It, life can be really shitty. It, it can, you can struggle and struggle and it, it, you know, when they say it rains, it pours, it does. And, you know, I've been through so much in my life and sometimes I feel like I, when, when good things happen, I start looking over my shoulder like, when's the next bad thing coming? Um, and I don't want to feel that way because it's hard to appreciate the journey. It's hard to appreciate everything you've been through. And if you're a person that just has been through a lot, even if you're just, maybe you're just new to being through something. Again, find things. It doesn't, doesn't have to be an animal. It doesn't have to be a show. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be something big and elaborate like a, a brand new job or, or, or money or, or whatever, a lover, it, just find something to just hold on to, to get you through the, the next day or the next hour um, and find ways to just have experiences. You know, don't, don't be ignorant and dumb to the world, you know, learn from other people because there are so many people going through so many different things just from different ag angles and different avenues and just different, you know, crevices of the world. Um, just, you know, also don't, you know, use whatever you can to motivate yourself because if stuff, you know, I, I stopped watching the news because the news is depressing. The news is just a lot and it just comes from, you know, filtered angles that they already like. It's just to sell magazines and, and articles and all. And they don't care about you. They just don't. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about specific. I'm talking about all of them for the most part. And, you know, find, just find stuff that just suits you as a person. Find things that just hit you. Um, because like I said, it, the world can be very, very lonely. And, and when a lot of times when we're at our worst, it, it, it can't feel any worse, but there's a lot of beautiful things come from really dark places. If you're fortunate enough to be able to pull yourself out of it. And, uh, I'll, I'll end on this. Just the goal for me is how I look at it is the quicksand theory is the goal is to always take, um, positive steps forward and and at least one or two steps backward but you start off two steps backwards you know or one step forward two step backward but if you keep taking two and one you're always moving you're going to have setbacks you're going to fail you're going to have embarrassing moments you're going to have times where you, you're going to question who you are your reality and everything you achieved no matter how successful it is i've wanted to quit the podcast twice uh, and someone reached out to me and said, hey, you got me through the day. And I was like, Jesus, all right. I don't even know who you are. Somebody made me a website. I didn't do that. I don't even know who they are. They don't even want to take credit for it. Um, you know, and meeting amazing people like Andrea, like I, it, it wouldn't have happened if I didn't get off my ass and I didn't push myself. Um, and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for, yeah, my inner strength and the little things that I held on to. But people who just, the, the few people that did, you know, give me a hug when I needed a hug, even if it wasn't a literal hug, but just a metaphorical or emotional hug of just, Hey man, I'm here for you. Hey, here's a, 
you know, whatever, something, just something. I'll take you out to dinner or I'll take you golfing, even if you don't like golf. It's just, just something to get me out of the house. Um, so, for, like I said, if anybody's just struggling, man, just please find something to make you happy. Find someone to talk to. Um, I'm not going to say there's no shame and don't be embarrassed about it because we all are embarrassed about something. But find someone to talk to because it's, you know, loneliness will kill you, literally. Um and uh, yeah, just, you know, find something to hold on to. As far as social media, you can find me. If you just type in Timothy J. West, uh, if you want to type in Williamsport, that's what the, the city I'm in. I don't care. People can stalk me if they want. But um, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at on Facebook. But uh, the only reason why I'm pulling up my phone is because I changed the name of my Instagram and I wanted to say it right because one little letter off and you're like, um, cause I had it named after the podcast, but the reason why I changed it, cause it wasn't strictly podcast based stuff. It's, I talk about other things. Like I do certain lives about other stuff, but it's called TJ's safe space for all. It's kind of cheesy, but it, it really is kind of what it is. Um, I do a lot of little lives and just talk to, you know, about certain subject matter that bugs me or, um, you know, like I did a one about DMX, the rapper who died and he died drug overdose. And I just went on a live about, uh, how we shouldn't focus just on celebrities. You know, we shouldn't focus on issues when it affects celebrities. We should focus on the major issue that addiction is sky high and people are dying at a high rate. Um, not that the celebrity himself isn't important and not that I'm not a fan because I am, but the bigger issue is, a, is you know, the drug crisis that's going on in the world, not just one individual. Uh, and then as far as my podcast goes, um, it's my blurred opinion. It's on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, iHeartRadio. It's kind of on all of them. And um, yeah, yeah. Here, TJ. Of course. If what you heard touched you or helped you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite place for tuning in. Pay it forward by sharing it with others. I'll be here for you with the next episode. I'm Andrea Petrut, your Healing Through Oneness show host. Remember, we are connected. We are one.